be seated if you grab your copy of God's Word this morning and find your spot in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 will be in chapters 3 and 4 this morning. You might want to also grab something to write with and something to make some notes. So I'm going to give you some things that you may want to jot down uh, today as we study the Word together. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 14, someone wrote the following, when as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I waxed more bold, time strolled. When I became a full grown man, time ran. When older still I daily grew, time flew. Soon I shall find in passing on, time gone. Those words were first published in 1901, but they still challenge us today. Life is short. Time is passing quickly. We only have a few days left, so we must make them count for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're focusing on in this New Year's sermon series. And uh, last week I introduced our theme verse for 2017 to you. And I'd like for you, if you would, to uh, read it out loud. If you won't read the reference, but just the verse together. Would you read it with me? So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We talked about that verse uh, last week. We studied that passage together. And beginning today, we're going to start covering uh, some of the things we need to invest our life and our days and our time in to help us to make our days count. Some of the things that uh, should be a priority in our lives. Some of the things that should characterize a heart of wisdom. That's what we're seeking to have is a heart of wisdom. And if you're going to number your days, if you're going to have a heart of wisdom, you're going to have to spend some time in the word of God. You're going to have to spend time in the word of God. There's no way around it. You're going to have to spend some time in the Bible. And so this morning we want to find our place. Uh, Paul writing to Timothy has some important things to say uh, here in Second Timothy, uh, beginning in chapters three and four is our passage today. And I'm going to begin reading at chapter three, verse 14 and read down through verse 17. Second Timothy, chapter three, verses 14 through 17. Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes to Timothy these words, verse 14. But you must continue in the things that you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I want to convince you in our few minutes together today that you need to spend time in the word of God. That's my goal today, to convince you that you need to spend time in the word of God this year and then your remaining years. And you might be thinking, <clears throat> well, preacher, Why? Why do I need to spend time reading, studying, getting the word of God into my life? Well, I want to give you at least three reasons why you need to be reading and spending time in the word of God. So three reasons this morning. Number one, I want to submit to you that it's available. It's available. You say, well, wait a minute, preacher. Lots of books are available. I mean, there are thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of books 
They bring out more books every year. There are more books than you could read in a lifetime. There are so many books that are available. Why should I spend time reading the Word of God? Why should I spend time uh, getting the Bible into my life? Well, because God has blessed you and God has blessed me in giving us His Word in a language, in our language, that we can read and understand and study. We are flooded with Bibles. Do you realize that? You ever go into a Christian bookstore to get mailings to your home from uh, Christian book distributors and things? We have all kinds of Bibles. There are study Bibles. There are different translations of Bibles. There are different styles of Bibles and options of Bibles. And every kind of Bible you can imagine is available today. I receive whole catalogs of different kind of Bibles you can order. The Bible is readily available to us. Uh, it's available digitally. Some of you this morning, I uh, no doubt, are using the Bible on your, uh, maybe your iPhone, your iPad, your device, your Android. Uh, I see that more and more as I go to different conferences. And I see it more and more here. And I see it more and more in different generations. I'm actually amazed sometimes when I walk in and I say, well, my goodness, that he's using a digital Bible. Anyway, uh, it's readily available. But, beloved, that's not the case with everyone. Can I give you some startling stats? From Wycliffe Bible Translators. I looked it up this past uh, week. Here's what Wycliffe Bible Translators tell us. There are an estimated 160 million people. 160 million people without access to any scripture. Any scripture in their heart language. I don't don't mean that they just don't have different styles. I mean they don't have any scripture in their heart language. I kept looking And I understood that 1.5 billion, that's with a B, people are without a full Bible in their first language. Now think about that. 160 million without access to any scripture in their heart language. And 1.5 billion people who do not have a full Bible in their first language. Imagine this. Millions of people still cannot read John 3.16 in a Bible in their own language. And yet here we are drowning in Bible choices. We have stacks of Bibles. I have stacks of Bibles that I've used throughout the years. And ones that I've had and ones that I use, different study Bibles. Beloved, we should read the Word of God. We should spend time in the Word of God because God has graced us in making it very available to us in our language. In many different formats, in many different forms. But what often happens when you have a lot of something? When you always have something? Yeah, we begin to take it for granted, don't we? It'll always be there. Kind of like electricity. Some of us have learned it won't always be there. <laughs> Just yesterday. About water. I got a phone call from a member this morning. They had no water. And so we, we begin to take things for granted. God help us. We need to realize what a blessing, how much God has graced us in making His Word available to us. So we should spend time in the Word because it's available. But secondly, we should spend time in the Word because it's valuable. It's valuable. Now, really, I could have just answered the whole question as to why you should spend time in God's word by simply saying, because it's God's word. That's pretty much the answer. Why should you spend time in the word of God? Because it's the word of God. God has chosen to reveal himself to us. God has chosen to speak to us. God has written down his message to us in human language through human means. Imagine, beloved, if you were to inherit uh, an old estate from a distant relative that you really didn't know. You didn't even know you had this relative. 
And so you go and you travel to this estate and you're there and you begin going through the belongings of this long lost relative who has blessed you with all of these wonderful things. And you go to the desk in the study and you begin to go through a pile of old papers. You realize that there are letters there and you stumble upon an original letter signed by George Washington himself. Would you be excited? Would you be ecstatic? Would you be happy? Yeah, you'd be trying to go on the next Antiques Roadshow and say, look at my look at my letter here. I've got it's from George Washington. And you want to know what? How much is it worth? How valuable is this? Well, beloved, this is a letter from almighty God. God has graced us. God has blessed us. Our creator, the one who holds our lives in his hand, has communicated to us his message. And it is true. All of it is true. Now, look back at verse 16 of what we just read, please. It says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That literally means it is God breathed. Now, God used human means. God used human authors to give us the perfect word of God. It's inerrant. Uh, it's inspired. It's authoritative. It's infallible. It's eternal. We've been spending weeks now. We didn't get to do it this morning because of the, the ice and all. But we've been spending weeks now in our adult Sunday school classes talking about what? The word of God. The longest psalm in the Bible, Psalm 119, which what's its theme? The word of God. Almost every single verse refers to the word of God. And beloved, why should we spend time in this book? Well, because it's available. God has graced us. God has blessed us. Also, it's valuable. This is the word of God. But there's a third reason. If you still need convincing. And beloved, that's the reason because it's profitable. It's profitable. Now, I didn't say that. The Bible said it. Look at verses 16 and 17 again. It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, profitable for doctrine. Profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I learned this from Warren Wiersman years ago. And this is one of those things I just don't seem to forget. You may have heard me say it many, many times. The word of God is profitable for doctrine. That's what is right. It's profitable for reproof. That's what is not right. It's profitable for correction. That's how to get right. And it's profitable for instruction and in righteousness. That's how to stay right. So it tells us what is right, what is not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. It's profitable. It tells us how to live our lives. I found it amazing when I thought about that old uh, <clears throat> instruction I learned years ago from Wearsby. I went to the NLT. Here's how it interprets and translates the same passage. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Do you want to know how to live? Do you want to know how to conduct your life? You've got to spend time in the word of God. Now, hopefully I've convinced you this morning. And it's just a few minutes so far that you need to spend time in God's word. If not, I'm just going to say this. All I can do is pray for you now. All I can do is pray for you now. Um, 
If that's not enough, that God's given it to you, God's revealed Himself to you, He said, not only have I revealed myself, this is profitable for you, this is going to bless you, it's going to help you in life, but all I can do now is pray for you. Now listen, this is not a guilt fest this morning. This is not something I want you just to leave here and feel beat up and well, you know, I need to... Listen, if you have not filled your life with the Word of God, confess that, ask the Lord's forgiveness, and let's move on together. Because I want to, in these final uh, few moments together, I want to help you and talk about some practical ways to get the Word of God into your life. And so if you're not going to do that, you can snooze now. If you really want to get the Word of God in your life, that's why you might want to jot down a few notes. So I want to give you some practical ways to get the Word of God into your life in 2017. As I thought about it, there are two primary places where we get into the Word. And I think those two primary places are at home and at church. Now, I know there are other places that you can get into the Word of God, but I think those are two of the primary ones. And we see that in the passage before us as we study what we've looked at already and plus as we get into the next part of this passage. Let's see how this plays out, first of all, in the home. The Word of God in the home. Back up now, look at verses 14 and 15. Paul writing to Timothy says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Verse 15. And that from, what's it say? Childhood. Since you are a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the question. Who taught young Timothy? Who taught the child Timothy the Scriptures? Well, if you'll turn back just a page or two to chapter 1, I think we find the answer to that question. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. In the opening part of this book, here's what Paul says. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your, who? Grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded as in you also. I'm convinced that it was his grandma and his mother who helped young Timothy become a man of the Word to understand the Scripture. Now, of course, he didn't have all of the Scripture that we have, but he had the Old Testament. He had uh, the Scripture that was available to him, and they were people of the book. Our homes, beloved, should be places where we spend time in the Word of God. Now, I want to ask you, don't answer out loud, but in your own heart, what part does the Word of God play in your home? What part does the Word of God play in your home? The Word of God should guide our home life. It's the instruction manual for them. It should guide the things that we do and the things that we do not do. Uh, It it should be a part of our decision-making in life. It should be a part of our conversation. It should guide our parenting and our marriage relations and our family relations. It should not just be relegated to a set time like a Bible story at nighttime. And that's a wonderful thing. But it shouldn't be just there. It should literally weave itself throughout the daily fabric of our lives. In other words, becoming a part of us as we spend time in the Word. And the Word is in us. The Word comes out of us. And it's weaved throughout the daily fabric of our lives. I think that's what we see in Deuteronomy Chapter 6. Jot this reference down and then listen to it if you would. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. 
Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Listen to what it says. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What part does the word of God play in your home life? I mean, they're talking about when you lie down, when you sit up, when you're talking with your children, put them on uh, the doorpost of your house. What part does the word of God play in your home? Let me give you a suggestion I ran across while I was preparing for today. Donald Whitney, who's well known for writing on the spiritual disciplines, he said some of the most important changes in my life occurred when I thought to ask this question. And when I saw this question, I thought, what a wonderful question to use in the home among family members. What's the question? It's this. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about this? He says, for more often than we do, Christians should ask such questions in our relationships, in our finances, our use of time, priorities, parenting, simplifying and everything else. We should more quickly ask, what does the Bible say about this? Now, let's see, how would this work out in your home life? How can we incorporate this in our day to day life? Well, let's say your kids or your grandkids come to you and they ask you about something. Does that ever happen at your house? Your children's ever ever ask you about something? Your grandchildren ever have any questions for you? What if instead of just giving our own thoughts, our own mindset on matters, especially on some of those difficult things that come before us, what if instead of answering right away, we were to ask this question back? What does the Bible say about this? And then not just leave it there, but if you don't know the answer... To go to the Bible and discover it together. And that's not just good for home life. That's not just good between parents and children. That's good for any believer anywhere at any time. To ask that question, what does the Bible say about this? You know, years and years ago, there was the whole thing about the WWJD. Do you remember that? What would Jesus do? It was written uh, in a book and then they wrote and they had all kinds of things. The problem with that is the fact that people who don't really know the Bible... They can make Jesus do whatever they want him to do. You know, what, what should I do? Well, I mean, what would Jesus do with this? Would Jesus do this? Yeah, I think Jesus would do this. But they never go to the word of God. A better question is, what does the Bible say about this? Why? Because it tells you what Jesus would think about that and what Jesus would do in that situation. And so there's a question you could take with you today and begin incorporate it into your home life where it drives you to the word. And it begins to guide your thinking that it's not about just what I think or what I want or what I believe. What does the Bible say? And I get the word of God into my home. The second primary place where we find ourselves spending a lot of time in the Bible is, of course, church. You ever think about how much time we spend in the Bible at church? Sunday school, Sunday morning, Wednesday nights. A lot of time is dedicated, primary time. The most time is dedicated to that, and that's how it should be. That's how it should be. That's scriptural. We're back in chapter 3 now. You're back in Second Timothy 3. Let's go on down to chapter 4. Paul says in chapter 4, verse 1, I charge you therefore. Now that therefore shoots us back to what's already been said and taught. 
He just said all scriptures inspired by God. It's profitable, so forth and so on. The man of God can be complete. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. What's the next three words in verse two? Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Preach the word. And so what is the charge that God gives to me for this congregation? Preach the word. Anybody that stands behind this sacred desk, what is the charge given to them? Preach not your opinion, not your thoughts, not your uh, ideas, but preach the word of God. The word of God is the final authority for faith and practice. Listen to what we believe about the word of God. It was too much to put on the screen. But let me just read to you what our own doctrinal statement says about the word of God. When I sit down with the boys and girls and we go through joining the church and getting baptized and those sorts of things, I often describe our doctrinal statement this way. I say, do you know what a book report is? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. If they don't, I explain it. If they do, it's very easy. But a book report, you read a book and then you write a summary on the book, right? You don't rewrite the whole book and that's what our doctrinal statement is. It's taking the central teachings of the Word of God and stating them in a nice, concise summary statement. Here's what we believe at Red Hill Baptist Church about the Word of God. Just listen to it. The Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired and is God's revelation of Himself to man. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all Scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us, and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union, and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All Scripture is a testimony to Christ who is himself the focus of divine revelation. In other words, beloved, we believe the Bible is really important. It's vital. It's crucial. You know, one of the things that boys and girls and anybody who joins this church has to do is to affirm our doctrinal statement and affirm our church covenant. And when it's a little boy or girl who comes and they understand that they are lost, they've been saved, they want to be baptized. They might be a kindergartner, first grade, second grader. They've received Christ. They truly know him. They're coming forward. I summarize it by this way. I say, do you believe this is the word of God? And it's true. That's basically what I say to him. Do you believe the Bible is true? All of it. I say, well, then you believe what we believe. You've affirmed our doctrinal statement. We believe the word of God is true. Every bit of it. We believe it cover to cover. I even believe the cover where it says Holy Bible, the word of God. And it's crucial. Beloved, there's so much we could say about the Bible and how to get it into our lives. We need to hear it. We need to read it, memorize it, meditate on it, study it, share it at home, at church, everywhere else. It guides our steps and forms our decisions. We need to spend time in the word of God. It's a non-negotiable in life. If you're going to grow in your faith, you must spend time in this book. If you're going to number your days and gain a heart of wisdom, you must spend time in this book. Hearing it, you're doing that right now. Studying it, memorizing it at home, at church. But before we close up shop, allow me to give you one more thing and one story 
And then we'll send you back out into the cold, okay? Nobody's anxious to go as much today. As I was studying, as I was reading, there's so much we could say. There's so many things that I could give you. But this is just kind of a, a, a broad study here. We're looking at some non-negotiables. We're looking at some different things that characterize our life and a heart of wisdom and numbering our days. But I ran across five suggestions from John Ortberg that were just wonderful, that blessed my heart. I thought they might bless you as well. And these are five suggestions from meditating on the scripture. Now, when you think of meditation, you may picture somebody in a really uncomfortable position, <clears throat> like a pretzel, sitting there humming, oh, all that kind of stuff. That's not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is not emptying your mind. It's filling your mind with the word of God. It's pondering, it's thinking, it's chewing on the word of God. Like a cow would chew its cud. You're really chewing on the word of God. Here are five suggestions as you come to the Bible that will be a help to you. They've been a blessing to me. Number one, you want to jot these down. Number one, ask God to meet you in the scripture. Ask God to meet you in the scripture. In other words, before you begin reading, pray to the Lord and ask him to speak to your heart. We've been studying the Psalms. Isn't that one of the verses there? It says in Psalm 119, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. We studied that several weeks ago. That's a wonderful prayer. Ask God to meet you in the scripture. In other words, your goal in coming is not just to read a bunch of words and close it up. You want God to speak to your heart as you read his word. So ask God to meet you in the scripture. Number two. Now, this was a really good one. Read the Bible in a repentant spirit. Read the Bible in a repentant spirit. In other words, be fully ready to surrender as you read. Be ready to obey as you read. What did we say earlier? The Bible says what all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Read with a repentant heart, a repentant spirit, ready that if the Lord points out something to you in your life that's not right, to confess that thing, to repent of it, to correct it, to obey. You know, it's not enough if you just say, well, God, meet me in the scripture. When he does speak to your heart, be ready to respond in faith and obedience and say, yes, Lord. I realize that's an issue. Father, forgive me. Father, help me there. So two suggestions out of five. Number three. Meditate on a fairly brief passage. We challenge you this year as a church family to read through the New Testament. It's not too late to start. Pick up a guide as you leave today. We're just getting ready to start Mark chapter 6 this week. Uh, We're trying to do our best to equip you. I'm doing videos to put up a video each week to try to just give you some encouragement. But we're doing five chapters a week, five minutes a day, basically. We're asking you to read the Bible five minutes and pray five minutes at least. It'll change your life if you've never done this before. But even when you take a chapter, usually a chapter is too much to meditate on all at once. Even within that chapter, you want to take a smaller passage, a verse, and you begin to meditate on it and chew on it. Like if we were reading today, 2 Timothy chapter 3, you might would have taken verse 16. All scripture is um, given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. There's enough to meditate on there all week. You can maybe just take part of that. 
Just you know, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. You begin thinking about that and chewing on that. So you want to meditate on a fairly brief passage. Number four, take one thought or verse with you through the day. Take one thought or verse with you through the day. Let's say that we were in Psalm 46. We were reading Psalm 46. We came down to verse 10. Uh, the first part of that verse says, be still and know that I am God. This is the one that Ortberg mentioned in his, in his book. And so you might take that thought with you throughout the day. So let's say you're reading Psalm 46 that morning. And you come to verse 10 and the Lord speaks to your heart. Be still and know that I am God. You say, I'm going to take that with me today. You might need to write it down. Put it on your phone, uh, lock screen, wherever you look a lot, whatever. Just kind of hide that little portion. Be still and know that I am God. And begin to take that thought with you and meditate upon it. And as you go throughout your day, it begins to allow you to put the word of God in your life. Why? Because you get into some trouble. You get into a, a, tr- a trial, a struggle, a stress. Someone attacks you verbally. Whatever it may be. And what can God do? He can bring that verse and that thought to your mind. Be still and know that I am God. Number five, allow this thought to become part of your memory. Allow this thought to become part of your memory. Memorizing the scripture, you know, um, for two years here, we did the Joshua Code. You remember that? The first year we went through, we tried to memorize those 52 plus verses because sometimes it was more than one. The next year we did a review on that. I hope that you got some of them. I don't suppose that everybody got all 52 or more, obviously. But the thought about it is we've got some of it. But what a great way to memorize scripture. If you take a part of it, you meditate on a portion of it. And the more time you spend with it, the more you internalize it. And before long, you've already memorized. Be still and know that I am God. So those are five suggestions that I would give to you here in this new year as it comes to the word of God. And I said that and I said one story and we're done. A man once approached the great Bible teacher from yesteryear, uh, R.A. Torrey. The man who approached him was named uh, Dr. Congdon. And Mr. Congdon came and he was complaining that he could not get anything out of his Bible study. He, he was saying the scripture seemed dry as dust. And he asked R.A. Torrey, he said, please tell me how to study it. So it will mean something to me. I mean, he really had a desire to study it and know it, but it was just dry. It just couldn't get anything out of it. And so he comes to Dr. Tory pleading, please tell me how to study it so I can get something uh, out of it. It'll mean something to me. And Dr. Tory replied in these words, he said, read it. And Congdon said, well, I do read it. And Tory said, read it some more. How? He said, take some book. And read it 12 times a day for a month. 12 times a day for a month. The man said to Dr. Tory, what book could I read that many times a day, working as many hours as I do? Tory said, well, try Second Peter. Try Second Peter. Let me give you the testimony of Dr. Congdon. He said, my wife and I read Second Peter three or four times in the morning. Two or three times at noon and two or three times at dinner. He said, soon I was talking second Peter to everyone I met. He said, it seemed as though the stars in the heavens were singing the story of second Peter. 
I read Second Peter on my knees, marking passages. Teardrops mingled with crayon colors as I said to my wife, see how I've ruined this part of my Bible. And I want you to hear what his wife said to him. Here's what his wife said to him. Yes, but as the pages have been getting black, your life has been getting white. Beloved, the word of God is the key to you growing in your faith. Beloved, life is short. We don't have time to read every book. We don't even have time to read many books. But we must make time to read at least one book. The B-I-B-L-E. We used to sing that song when I was growing up. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. If you're going to truly number your days. If you're going to truly gain a heart of wisdom. You must spend time. In this book, getting this book into your life. Father, thank you for the treasure of your word. To think that I'm holding in my hands right now the very words of you, my creator, my sustainer, the one who holds my life in your hands. The one who enables my heart to keep beating, my lungs to keep functioning today. The one that guides my very steps. The one that holds this world in its course. And Lord, you've chosen to reveal yourself to me and to us. Lord, you've blessed us with the Bible in our own language. There's nothing holding us back. We can read it and study it. We have so many Bible helps, so many things to help us understand your word. Thank you, Father. I pray for those who do not have the Bible. I pray for those translating the scriptures. Lord, that you'll just bless their work, speed their work. That others might have this wonderful treasure. Lord, forgive us for taking it for granted. Forgive us for not spending more time in it. Burden our hearts. Open our eyes. Help us to see how you blessed us, how you want to guide us. It's a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. It's how we cleanse our way. It's profitable. Lord, I know there are those that are starting out maybe for the very first time and they're seeking this year to read through the New Testament. Strengthen them, Lord. Bless them. Help them. Open your word to us in a wonderful way. And Lord, may it truly be the final authority for faith and practice always at Red Hill Baptist Church and always in our own individual lives and our homes. We praise you and we thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought a good closing hymn this morning would be 338. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. Treasure the word, beloved. Get it into your life. Fill your life with it. Fill your home with it. Let's fill this church with it. Let's stand and sing. The altar is open. If you have a need today, please come. 338, How Firm a Foundation.